Thank you for tuning in to Pod22. I'm your host, Philip Baird. Now, before I talk about my next guest, I wanted to touch on a quick subject. I received some messages lately asking me, Phil, who are these guests and how do you choose them? And so I want to tell you right now, I choose my guests because I think they push travel and experiences to new frontiers. Much like Jean-Luc Picard, our next guest, Ian Cumming, is the true embodiment of this ideal. Ian is a travel industry super connector, investor, and techie. He is the global founder of Travel Massive, the largest tourism community in the world. In what started as a small gathering for travel startups in the Sydney hostel over a decade ago, Travel Massive has now turned into a community with 63,000 members in 173 cities around the world. Growing up in Tasmania, Ian was fascinated with technology. He became a software developer and co-founded a software business. We'll talk about his path to entrepreneurship and we'll discuss what tools and strategies he chose in order to build Travel Massive. I hope you enjoy this episode. If you're an entrepreneur in the travel industry, I highly suggest you sign up and to participate in the Travel Massive community. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Pod22 for this live episode with Ian coming from Travel Massive. Ian, thanks for coming, man. How's it going? Hey, Philippe. Uh, thanks uh, for having me on the show. It's great to be here. Cool, man. You're in uh, Hobart right now, is that correct? I am. Well, I am in Tasmania, uh, but I'm actually uh, on the east uh, east coast of Tasmania at uh, what we would call a shack, which is sort of like a beach house. But uh, you can, my camera here is a little bit washed out. But if I move away and we cor- correct the uh, the white balance, you can see some water here. So that's sort of the beach is just a little stroll down there, and this is where I've been hanging out. Um, since uh, March, the beginning of this year. Yeah, nice. And correct me if I'm wrong. In March, you were—I think you were in Europe. Was it Berlin or something? And you were—you had to you basically you wanted to go back to Australia. Is that? Yeah. Well, I guess it's a story that that many people have have, have had. You know, have the last year or last nine months but uh, I was in Berlin you know we were going to do the Travel Massive Global Forum it got cancelled you know in the last um, you know a couple of days before the event because of COVID along with ITB you know I ended up having to actually quarantine in Berlin for two weeks and then find a way to kind of escape back home and get back to Australia so that's um, that's my story. I'm sure it's the same as a lot of other people's. It's uh, yeah, it's it's definitely a recurring story to say the least, for sure. And well, I'm glad to hear that you're you're safe and sound. And you know, back on the T- Tasmania subject, I think you grew up in Hobart. Is that correct? Yeah, I did. Uh, so yeah, I was born in Tasmania. I grew up in uh, Hobart, which is the capital city. And I, uh, you know, went to university there. I started my first company in Hobart. It wasn't until. Uh, actually kind of like my late 20s that I actually kind of started traveling and even got into the tourism industry. So yeah, I had a previous life sort of as a software developer before before that. That's cool. And and going back to that, that the sort of, you know, choosing computer science as a as a major in university, like what, what yep. grew, drew you in? Was it like were you playing with computers as a kid or you're like, Hey, I like object-oriented programming. I want to. I want to learn more about C and Java and, and these kind yeah. of things. Well, so my father is a civil engineer, and so in the you know in the eighties, uh, you know, he brought home a computer to do his work on, and you know, I was like a little kid, you know, five-year-old kid, and I just fell in love with this sort of computer because it was so cool. It was the way cooler than any other kind of toy that I had, and I just became obsessed with computers, I guess, from an early age. And I taught myself how to program, I think when I was 
10 years old and me and my friends would just sort of hang out and, you know, make choose your own adventure games, you know, on the computer. And so I guess uh, it was just sort of, you know, I grew up being kind of the, 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 the typical kind of computer nerd that, you know, if anyone went to school in the, in the 90s might have known. And I just followed that path, uh, decided to do computer science. So, so you created your first software company, I think, in your, while you were still in, in university. Uh, what was that experience like? Yeah. Um, so I was, uh, you know, me and my friends, you know, we started getting jobs, you know, in, in sort of university, sort of doing programming work and stuff. And, you know, a few of us actually decided that we, you know, we didn't really like working for the consulting company that we were, that we were hired out to and that we thought that we could do a kind of a better job. And, you know, we were very bullish about this at the age of 23 um, we had no idea how to even build a business or anything like that, but we just thought that we could do it. And um, so, yeah, a, a couple of us, you know, teamed up and we created sort of a software consulting company and we started, you know, selling not software, but we were selling, you know, standard sort of consulting work. But out of that, actually, we got to work on a whole bunch of really amazing you know things, and I, I don't know if um, if you've been a consultant before, but you know, or some of the listeners here. But you know, when you do consulting, you just get thrown into the deep end, into you know, vastly different kinds of problems. You know, so you're solving. You know, I was solving problems for like energy systems one day, and then actually we ended up we actually built a reservation system for a Tasmanian airline. You know, so then I was learning reservation systems. You know, we did stuff for the education department. And so I think, you know, you cut your teeth on all of these different, you know, problem spaces. And so it's, it's, it's actually was a really amazing experience. It was a lot of work and, you know, building a team and, you know, hiring people and, you know, I had no idea how to do proper accounting or anything like that. And, you know, so you learn pretty quick, right, when you've got a business. And, and so that was, a, I think, a really good experience. But I certainly had no idea what I was sort of getting myself into at the age of 23. Yeah, that's really interesting because it, it brings up two things. You, you kind of learned the entrepreneurial path of like accounting, building a company, having employees, payroll, all that, that stuff. But at the same time, yep. you know, you're you're reviewing, you're, you're doing somebody else's code. You may be starting from their own code, reviewing it, adding new things, you know, d developing frameworks, all that stuff. And, and now today, you know, you could probably review somebody else's code and say, oh, yeah, I, I saw that problem like, you know, 15 years ago and I know what, how to fix this. And so, you know, it's kind of like, you know, a dual thing in a way. And it kind of, you know, leads you to the next thing in a way. What, what do, you, do you feel that that, those, the, those, that experience particularly is still uh, relevant today? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that you got to build some self-confidence, you know, and yeah, you can be a smart programmer or a smart designer or, you know, you can be really good at your field. But when you create a, a, a you know, a business, there's so many other elements of it that, you know, you probably don't really think of until you, till you do it. I mean, things like making sure that the coffee machine has coffee in it. Because and that you order the milk and you end up doing a lot of tasks that you really didn't think that you needed to do. But you know, you do. You also uh, there's a sense of pride, right, when you when you do um, start a business and and actually not just from you know this, uh, the 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 founders, but also you know the the early team members because there's also this 
kind of element of excitement about where this business could go. And, you know, everyone is, is you know, coming to work with this sort of energy of an enthusiasm, you know, and that's what I love about sort of starting businesses because it's just, it's a combination of just raw effort and, you know, you've really got to just roll your sleeves up and dive into it. But there's this, you know, this creativity and there's got to be stamina and intelligence and there's so many and also luck, right? So there's so many elements that go into building a business. So I think, you know, early stage businesses, are, are, you know, they're super fun, I think. Yeah, that's it's a very valid point. And, and having been like in startups myself, I totally like I, I totally get what you're saying, and I couldn't agree more. I want to touch on the entrepreneurship path as well, but maybe we'll go back and, and sort of get into the how the the travel massive tribe became to be. And I think the first step really in travel was you started working for World Nomads, and you created sort of a Q and A platform for them. Can you can you tell me a little bit, or can you tell us a bit about that? Yeah, sure. I'll, gi- I'll give you the sh- super short version. But, um, <laughs> you know, I made this transition into travel. For, you know, I had my software business in Tasmania and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I actually, I didn't travel at, at all. And, you know, I was so busy working on my company. And then it, it dawned on me, you know, in sort of uh, in my mid-20s that I hadn't really even left Australia. And, you know, all my other friends from university were going on gap years and, and uh, exploring and I was sort of stuck with my business. I mean, I loved my business, but I realized I was sort of taking a compromise on, you know, actually seeing the world. So I threw some sort of some tech conferences. I ended up traveling to San Francisco. You know, I stayed in this hostel in San Francisco and it just, and I was, it was the first time I'd stayed in a hostel. I was really nervous about kind of, traveling on my own, you know, but within, you know, literally seconds of walking into that hostel, you know, I felt the sense of, you know, wow, there, you know, there are people here that I can meet and, you know, everyone was super friendly and it just changed my whole perspective on, on traveling. And I just thought, wow, I, I got to get the hell out of Tasmania and see the world. (laughs) And so, you know, being in San Francisco at the time, you know, in sort of 2008 or 2009, you know, there was this whole you know, web 2.0 thing, everyone was reading TechCrunch and starting some new startup company. And it was a really exciting time. And I was like, wow, I've got this cool idea to build this sort of travel app that lets, you know, travelers connect with locals and then they can get an answer. And so I built that up sort of as as a bit of a sort of a startup company. And um, yeah, I was lucky enough to sort of do a, a very small sort of exit to World Nomads and moved to Sydney to kind of do my earnout and and build this sort of Q and A platform, and it was really there in Sydney that you know this sort of next thing happened to me, which was I was suddenly in this travel industry. You know, I transitioned from this sort of tech world into travel, and I really wanted to explore it, but I didn't know anyone in the tourism industry, and I was like, well, I should just go to these you know meetups, right? And again, you know, ten years ago was around the time when people started doing meetups, right? Because I don't think meetups were really a thing, you know, until meetup.com came out and everyone's like, yeah, let's do a meetup. So I looked for meetups for travel and I couldn't find any. So I was like, well, I'm just going to do my own meetup and uh, invited people on Twitter to turn up to the rooftop of the hostel I was staying at. And like five people turned up and we 
everyone brought some beer and it was like a travel blogger and someone working on a reservation system and, you know, some of my colleagues. And we just were talking about cool stuff in travel and travel startups and travel blogging. And it was such a cool conversation. We met next month and everyone brought a friend and you can probably see where this sort of head is heading, but that was sort of the origins of, of, uh, of travel massive. So it was really by accident, you know, I never, um, intentionally, you know, at that point thought, oh yeah, I'm going to build this big, you know, travel industry network. At the time, you know, Facebook just started becoming a thing. I remember like a university it was just universities that were on it. It was, it was kind of tough to, you know, get, get people gathered. It was, it was so basically it was just word of mouth in those early stages. Yeah. Word, word of mouth and Twitter. Like I actually, a lot of things have kind of happened in my life because of Twitter, which is a bit weird to say, but you know, if I really think about what was the point where I made a, a, some sort of connection with someone, you know, it might've been through a tweet. Yeah. So, you know, these sort of social platforms, I think have been incredible, you know, in terms of connecting people, you know, bringing the world together. Yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. And, and I, I would, I would actually agree with that as well. Um, there, there's a benefit and, and, you know, there's also a downside and, you know, when you compare what it is today to what it was previously, now there's just so many tools and that could be sometimes overbearing. Like, where do I put my focus? Uh, you know, when it, if, if you had a hundred thousand followers in 2012 on Facebook, now, if you like have doubled that in 2020, um, you don't have the same outreach to those followers. Cause now you've yeah. been sort of, you know, the rest of the field has been like, you know, filled up with ads and other people as well. So, um, you know, Going back to sort of the travel massive, you know, you started from from that community. When were you like, okay, we have something here. I'm going to build something around it. So, you know, the, these meetups in Sydney that that we were running, you know, they were kind of going really well. And through that, um, there was there were a, a few expats who were living in Sydney, and they were coming to the meetups. And uh, they went back uh, home eventually back to to London and to Toronto and. Yes they actually started, you know, travel massive sort of communities or chapters, you know, in London, you know, Michael Ball um, started the the London chapter, Alicia um, Tagio started the Toronto chapter with, with other sort of co-founders. And then we had this sort of cool thing going on where we would do these chapter meetups and, you know, then we would send each other tweets or Instagrams from our meetups. So we were like, hey, you know, here's the Sydney nice. Travel Massive and then here's the Toronto Travel Massive and the London Travel Massive. And, you know, and then through the power of literally Twitter and other people seeing these tweets, other people started reaching out and saying, hey, how do I start one of these Travel Massive, you know, things? And Chapter. so, yeah, um, well, we called it chapters because, and, and you know, it's it's hard to kind of, what do you call something? Because if you call it a group, that doesn't really make a lot of sense. And if you call it an association, is it really an association? And I know, you know, chapters might sound like, you're in some sort of religious cult or, you know, or, or something like that. But chapter is the word that me, that I guess means the same thing in the most number of places around the world, you know, still, it's not my favorite word, but we created these chapters. Yeah. <laughs> no, I was um, going to say, I thought your, your, your first word or the, one of the words that you had for a long time tribe, I thought that was the perfect word. Tribe. Um, ah, yeah. Well, I we, love we, tribe. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Well, so, you know, f- for everyone sort of watching and listening in, Travel Massive originally was called Travel Tribe. And, uh, you know, I, I made the, the, I guess, the faux pas of not checking that someone had the trademark to it. And, <laughs> you know, um, a few years in, I got a bit of a cease and desist notice and we had to change the name. But I, you know, I think Travel Massive is a better name anyway. So I'm kind of glad that that happened. But I think the important thing about how we, how we kind of grew Travel Massive was that we made some rules in the community and we, and we made those rules pretty clear to everyone that, you know, Travel Massive had to be sort of free to attend. It had to be open to everyone in the travel industry. And I think this is something that now maybe we take it more for granted. But when I was sort of entering into tourism, there were these associations and, you know, they were really hard to get into. And if you were just someone that was interested in the whole travel industry, like, you know, I am, it's very hard to get into associations because you're not in the, you know, the Travel Writers Association because you're a blogger or you're not in allowed into the aviation association thing because you're not, you know, don't work for an airline. So, yeah. you know, I just wanted to make Travel Massive open to anyone. And the third thing, which I think is really important, is that there's this desire that you're going to come and share your ideas with other people because I, I think that that's, um, you know, when you bring a lot of people that are passionate about, you know, a certain topic into a room that haven't met each other and they share their ideas, there's this sort of magic that can happen, you know, of new partnerships formed and people creating, you know, businesses together and just general knowledge sharing. So that was a really important thing. So free to attend events, open to everyone, share what you know. And those three rules just sort of took off. Yeah. And that's, that's, I, I couldn't agree more. And that's like, even I would say that's, that's the same for other industries. And you could tell that, you know, like, you know, these, these, these closed-minded associations that are kind of like acting like guilds, you know, guilds have a purpose, but, you know, having something where you can't have a freedom, like an open platform to talk or connect or, or exchange ideas and, and, and in such a way become an entrepreneur can be very like a frustrating experience. And, and leading to that, you know, if you, if this was the idea of travel massive, to create this sort of community, a lot of programmers or developers I've spoken to, they, they kind of start with a niche idea and then they build a company around it. You kind of went with this like very open uh, networking concept and you, you sort of built something out of that. Were you scared of failure at, uh, at any time during the, the, the tr- um, journey? No, no, because I think that, and again, for everyone sort of listening, you know, I Travel Massive, you know, existed as this sort of, it wasn't even an entity for the first five years. It was like a side project of mine. Mm-hmm. And so it was almost through neglect of it. This is a weird way of sort of describing it, but because I didn't micromanage it and I just let it grow, you know, it just did its thing. And I kind of feel if, and I have seen, seen sort of community builders from the very beginning kind of try to micromanage and control their communities and they never grow as big. You kind of got to let, you got to give away some control of the community and put it in the hands of, you know, the people that are going to grow it. And so almost that first five years was just pure organic growth. And so, no, I mean, I didn't have any fear of failure. I just thought this is a wild, fun project and more people keep joining it. And it was benefiting me, right? Because uh, I was being able to, you know, uh, continue to work on my sort of my startups and and other businesses I was working on and grow this awesome, you know, network right around me um, of people doing kind of cool things. So I think 
when you build communities, everyone has to get some sort of value out of it. But it's also important that everyone has, you know, there's a social contract with being part of a community that you also have to have to give something. You've got to put something in. So when you get that dynamic right, you know, um, I think that communities are, are, are almost sort of unstoppable. You know, I, I told you this before in the past. I think, I think it has that, that sort of open aspect of Travel Massive is so cool. And it, it kind of reminds me a lot about, you know, open source uh, code or, or software. And I think I, I even gave you the denomination of GitHub of the travel yep. industry. But, um, you know, I, I, I know that, uh, you know, on that, that, that topic of open source, you know, programming, uh, I know that Travel Massive is built in Drugal. It's something like two or three percent of the websites uh, in the world, and it's mostly used by governments and you know, some of more of associations and such. But it's, it's definitely open source. Is that you know? Did you also decide to sort of build a platform with that that same mindset of making it open and, and kind of easy? Yeah. Um. So the the, the in two thousand so five years ago, you know, we got to a point where you know we were using Meetup.com, and it just was. You could be a part of a travel massive in you know in one city and then another city like you know you could be in the Montreal travel massive yeah. and the Sydney travel massive but you could never make a connection between each other you know you were kind of siloed off and you know I re- I was like yeah we've got to build a platform and you know there were a couple of community platforms that I you know I really liked at that time one um, which I still you know really admire is a community called Creative Mornings you know they're sort of a chapter based model. I reached out to them and I was like, hey, I love Creative Mornings. Can I license your soft your community building software? And yeah. I don't I don't think I got a reply. And so I realized that there was sort of no community software out there that was suitable for building kind of event-based, you know, chapter, you know, event-based communities that were connected to chapters. And so yeah, I was like, well, okay, we've got to go build this. And in the process <laughs> of doing that, I was like, well, let's make it open source and let's put the source code out there so, you know, other community builders, you know, don't have to rebuild, reinvent the wheel. They can kind of, you know, take the Travel Massive platform and and use it. So, yeah, Travel Massive powers a couple of other communities. Uh, One is called uh, Mappy Hour, which is a community for outdoor enthusiasts. It's um, predominantly in the United States. Mm -hmm. Um, And recently, um, the Nomadic Network, which is a, community for travelers um, that's run by nomadic matt and uh that's another community that that's you know using our platform so yeah i i think that uh you know and although that said i i kind of had hoped you know maybe more people would kind of pick up the open sourceness of travel massive and you know contribute and and that and that kind of didn't really happen so i i don't think that the travel industry is really that into open source software like they like using it for free but i don't think that they're that there's a lot of people really building it you know winding tree is a company that's that's doing a lot of open source code but yeah anyway that's just some thoughts about it yeah the the contribution side is is not it's it's not there yet and i i've i worked with some, some friends on open source haptics and it's you know you have only like a couple hundred researchers in the world and you know only so few we're just gonna you know, develop some of the open source tools, you know, if there's not the right, sometimes people read the right incentive, which is usually monetary. And that's always the tough, the tough thing. But I admire somebody like you who decided to make the the choice out of the fact that you wanted it to be, you know, Hey, if yeah. you want to try to do the community aspect like me, Hey, 
I have everything that's open source and, and here it is. And I think that's that's really, really cool. So now I going think, a little bit, yeah, go ahead, sorry. Yeah. I was just going to say, I think the other the other benefit, you know, when you write open source code, the other reason, the other rationale was I felt that, you know, no matter what happened to the Travel Massive community, there was always going to be the open source, you know, platform. And, yeah. you know, if, if I did something wrong by Travel Massive or I moved on, Travel Massive could continue and someone else could pick up the reins. So there's an element of sort of yeah. making sure that things can continue by making it open source. And the last thing I'd say is that, you know, it does make me write better code knowing that, um, you know, every time I commit um, some code to the code base of Travel Massive that other people can read it. Anyway, and- we're nerding out. So let's <laughs> yeah, this is a travel podcast. So we got to, you know, yeah, we got to talk about travel. Podcast. We're not a part of it. I did want to touch a bit, you know, I, I still on the entrepreneurship topic. Well, one last question on, on that front. And on the travel master thing, I think in 2016, you, you sort of, you, you, you got some seed investment. You know, as an entrepreneur, what was the, what was that like? What was the, the process? And what would you tell, you know, younger Ian, you know, don't worry, it's, you can get through this. Yeah. Yeah, it was, that was a pretty interesting kind of time. I think, you know, uh, I started working with Stefan Eckberg, who is the founder and CEO of, of Travel Start. And uh, m- many people, if you've attended a, tra- a travel conference, you you probably have uh, have been lucky enough to hear Stefan, you know, talk. He's an am- amazing, you know, entrepreneur, but also an amazing mentor. And, you know, Stefan was probably the person that identified that there was something magical in Travel Massive, you know, at the very beginning. And, you know, he encouraged me, you know, along with some other people like Barry Smith, who's the co-founder of Skyscanner, you know, he was like, yeah, you should work on Travel Massive. So, you know, I, you know, I didn't really have a lot of money at that time, you know, and I still don't, but I had enough money to kind of like back myself and, you know, work on Travel Massive full time for, you know, maybe a year and, you know, Stefan kind of did a did a small sort of angel, you know, investment. You know, this is sort of before, you know, a bigger round of investment just to sort of explore it. And I think, you know, the, the challenge with communities and building communities, you know, and you said this earlier is that, you know, Travel Massive sort of started by accident and it, you know, and it grew into this thing. And then, then we tried to like put a business model into it, you know, so you're kind of approaching it from the the wrong way around, right? Most people start with a business model and build their business out. We started with this huge community and then we were like, well, how do we monetize this community so we can grow it and reinvest in it and make Travel Massive even more awesome? So, you know, the seed round, you know, in 2016 was sort of built around that concept. And I guess, you know, I managed to convince a few people that, you know, Travel Massive was kind of a cool thing and, you know, that could kind of help me out. But there was, you know, we we were going to kind of test out a number of sort of different business models. But I think that while it's great to kind of have, you know, really big successful, you know, investors in your business, you know, that's one thing. But I think that how you how you take in capital, how you work with capital, you know, how you deploy it, how you build a plan and, and build it, you know, that's really the the important things. And I think, and I'll be honest with you, I, I think that that investment in, of 2016 was probably the worst, you know, investment taking decision that I've ever made. Um, because what it did is it, is it really, you know, Travel Massive was going to have to grow up at some point and mm-hmm. go from being this cool free thing to being a business. And 
And so we committed to that. But, you know, we just, we had this like three, four month runway, right? Which is just not nowhere near enough to kind of like really build and grow something. And then, you know, I probably made the mistake of hiring heaps of people and, you know, not really having a proper plan. And, you know, then we, you know, then we kind of ran out of money after a few months and put ourselves in a really difficult sort of situation, which was really sort of stressful for, for everyone. Um, mm. And, and I, you know, thinking back on that, you know, I guess, yeah, okay, I'm an entrepreneur and, you know, I will sleep in a tent in order to get, you know, my business going, you know, I'm, I'm that hardcore about, you know, putting myself on the line, you know, to make something successful, but you can't take a team along that perilous journey with you when there is a cliff, you know, three or four months later that, uh, you know, people might fall off, um, so to speak. So I guess what I'm saying is that you can't, is that when you're building a team to begin with and you, and you, and you kind of go off to explore things, you've got to bring the right people along with you who are also willing to accept the pain of failure. And so, yeah, we went through a, a really tough, tough year that really kind of tested, you know, tested our team, tested our, ch- our chapter leaders. And, you know, thinking back on that, I probably should not have taken the capital and I sh- probably should have worked more on kind of grassroots, you know, revenue building and then gone to investors with with the actual, you know, revenue model. But I think people were investing in the kind of the hype of Travel Massive at that time. Yeah. Uh, and then there were a lot of expectations as to like, you know, what we do next. So that's a that's a bit of a long-winded answer to your question. But no, it's, it's the, it's, you know. It's super interesting, Ian. And, and you know, it, it, I... I completely agree with you. You know, it's, it's tough when you bring in money in the equation and you, you kind of, you thought about it, but you, you didn't really have a concrete plan. And now suddenly this has become your number one worry, you know, and then you have to answer to emails and, and send updates and, and et cetera. And then I, I totally see what you're saying, you know, and, and that, you know, for future entrepreneurs to just make sure that you're ready for that step when you take outside money, because, you know, now you're going to be answerable to not just yourself, but to other people. And then, so now today, uh, Travel Massive has over, I think, 62,000 uh, members. Yes, something like that. Yep. Yeah, you guys, you guys have meetups, you got panels, you have trivia nights. I think there's movie yep. nights, a podcast, yep. short yep. movie presentations. I, you know, the list goes on and on. I, I could, you know, enumerate more and more and more. But um, on top of all this, where, where do you go from here? Great question. Uh, well, you know, I mean, this this year, right, has has kind of screwed everything up. And, yeah. you know, I guess at the start of this year, if you would ask me this question, you know, Travel Massive, we were really gearing up to to build out our own sort of conference. Yeah. And, you know, we're, th- there are other parts of Travel Massive that, you know, that have been, you know, reasonably sort of successful. We've got, uh, you know, a marketplace or a jobs board. You know, we were obviously, you know, hosting sort of the in-person meetups. But, you know, realistically, when you look at just within the tourism industry, where I guess the, you know, where people can make money and revenue is in conferences. And so, you know, we'd, we'd really turned over so many different stones of like, can we do online workshops? You know, mm-hmm. can we charge... Uh, you know, a membership fee to be part of Travel Massive, all those sorts of things. But really when you when you crunch the numbers, a conference is sort of the thing that the thing that probably 
brings you the greatest return. So we were going down that path and, you know, it got cancelled, you know, three days before the event happened. And so, you know, the business model, I guess, and the plan really just got sort of torn up. And, you know, the course of this year has been a combination of sort of looking at how we actually support our members and our community because, you know, it's not just Travel Massive that's been affected by this, it's the whole travel industry. And, you know, thousands of, of members of Travel Massive have lost their jobs, you know, yeah. or their businesses have gone. And so, you know, when you see all the bounce backs of emails of, you know, this person doesn't work here anymore, this business is shut down, you know, it's uh, it's awful, right? You know, I, I, I sent an email out sort of, you know, a month or two into the pandemic and I gave every member of Travel Massive my phone number. I said, hey, you know, I think, this is this really sucks what's happening but you know give me a call you know and my phone exploded you know with and i'd had so many conversations with members from all around the world about what was sort of going on you know there's a lot of heartache and so i think that our our focus from the pandemic you know for at least the first few months was just to help you know be a platform for people in the tourism industry to get information about what's going on and to communicate you know, and that's all that mattered. So, but I guess sort of now that we're almost, you know, we're peaking out of what's going to happen next year, travel looks like it's going to start to come back. There's positive, you know, news in terms of, you know, vaccines and things like this. Uh, you know, what does a travel massive look like, you know, next year? And that's sort of what what we're sort of working on. So we are working on a new platform for travel massive. Um okay which is sort of all I can really say right now. But cool. I think that our focus next year is going to be on helping people launch or relaunch, you know, their travel businesses. And, and you know, that's where I think Travel Massive is one of the most powerful tools in the tourism industry because it's a place where people go when they first start a business to get connected. And I think um, that's where we'll look to add a lot more value um, to the tourism industry. Ian, I found this uh, very nice pocketbook from 2006. It's the Berlitz 11th edition. For those who are listening on the podcast, can you sort of describe what you see on the on the pocketbook? Uh, okay, yeah. Well, there is, um, you know, a very sort of shirtless, um, <laughs> suntanned, white, you know, typical kind of um, surf lifesaver holding his... Um, surfboard up on the on the beach <laughs> much um, so. and, he, and he looks like he's having uh, a bit of a sunburn it also looks like he's a little bit dehydrated but hey it, it made for a good colorful picture i found this book this week and, and I, I found a quote in it and i i thought i should read it to you uh okay. I hope you, you don't mind so it says here it says tasmania has become something of a tourist paradise if you like wild scenery open moors rolling green hills deserted beaches georgian architecture temperate climate forests, uncrowded towns, and open-hearted people, you can easily become a Tasmaniac. One day, some brilliant entrepreneur may put it on the world map and the crowds will arrive. Are you that entrepreneur, Ian? <laughs> well, you know, I mean, there, there is already a very successful entrepreneur that has put Tasmania on the map. So, you know, I, I now he's set a very high bar that I'd have to, that I'd have to match. That's good. But, That's good. Uh, but one, one of the interesting things I'd say, though, is about Tasmania, you know, is that, yeah, there is this, um, you know, it's an amazing place to live. And you guys can see right behind me, this is sort of where I hang out. Um, and I feel very lucky to, to be able to, to, to live here, mm -hmm. um, despite, I guess, the 
the extreme sort of isolation of being physically very physically distanced from the rest of the world yes. you know but uh you know uh people have been living in tasmania f- for up to forty thousand years mm-hmm. you know so western civilization is this tiny little blip you know on the on the historic map that is you know, so long of people living here and you know the uh, tasmanian aborigines in fact were one of the most isolated you know communities in the world during the ice age or when that uh, and they were cut off from from the world for something like eight uh, eight thousand years. Mm-hmm. So you know, it I find that amazing, and you know, I think that uh, one of the things you know, Tasmania and and Australia is an amazing place to visit. But I'd I'd also encourage people to look at sort of the indigenous history of Australia, you know, and Tasmania and to also seek that out and explore that because um, it's, it's, it's some pretty pretty amazing to think that people have lived here for thousands and thousands of years, you know, they haven't screwed up the, you know, the climate until we came along. But yeah, well, yeah, and it, Australia as a whole kind of went through a second, uh, you know, um, extinction process, you know, especially for the larger mammals. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's what happens when there's human colonization. I, I suppose I I gave you a name for this just before this podcast. I called you the collector. Why do you think uh, I gave you that name? A collector. I don't know. I mean, I collect. Uh, maybe I collect business cards or you know collect contacts. I'm not. I'm not sure. Yes, you certainly collect the contacts and the emails, and it does bring me to another question I I want to ask you. One thing that I I most admire from you, and it was actually one of the first ways I was introduced to you, is that you were never shying away for sending an email and introing somebody to somebody else that they didn't know. You're a CEO of a company, you're a founder of a company that has a huge organization and and networking, but you still take the time to to email and, and like you said earlier, to, to listen and talk to the members of the phone. What what drives you to do that so much? And and you know how many emails do you look in a day? Well, the 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 last question. I mean, I I do get a lot of emails, but you know what I've really tried to do. You know, my focus on the Travel Massive platform is to let people connect to each other without needing me. Right? They can mm-hmm. they can connect, go onto Travel Massive, find people, connect with them. You know, there's hundreds of thousands of connections through Travel Massive that have been made. So I think that that's awesome. I guess I enjoy you know this idea of you know knowing that one person is sort of working on some project over here and there's someone else over here doing something different but similar and I don't know I just am I can't help myself but make a connection between those people because it's kind of fun and you know I guess you build up oh hopefully you build up some sort of goodwill you know within your network that the same thing will happen back to you so if every person listening to this podcast or, or watching, you know, in the next week could think of one awesome introduction to make to someone else, multiply that out and think about how many how many new connections could be made. And ultimately, we're talking about the, the, the travel industry here, right? That the more mm-hmm. connections that we have in travel, the more we can share ideas, the, you know, the better we can make travel. Um, and so ultimately, it's about making our industry and what we create for travelers, you know, better for everyone. Man, I, I couldn't agree. I think I think networking and communication is, is a central tenet to any entrepreneur. 
And I think of all the people I've met, you know, in, in working in travel, I think you, you've embodied that the most. And it's also a reason why I wanted you on this podcast is because I think you push networking in the travel industry to a whole different level. And I personally can't wait until this, the next big thing comes from Travel Massive. So, you know, going more on me now, and, and this is more of a question of like, you know, telling me what I should do. Uh, yep. Who do you have as a next, next guest on this podcast? Ah, yeah. Well, I I had to think about this and I would recommend that you talk to Paka um, Hazo. Um, she runs a company called Zulu Nomad. She's based in Johannesburg. She's done some really amazing work, you know, connecting, you know, the youth of tourism, you know, in things like hackathons, you know, in Africa. And um, I think that she's got pretty amazing story to tell and the stuff that she's working on, I um, am awesomely impressed and inspired by so my recommendation is to talk to um paka cool man i'm uh, i'm gonna send her an email and i won't even need you for that <laughs> if uh so if people want to get in touch with you or or sort of the tm uh travel massive community like if i'm a blogger a first timer or you know if i'm 17 and i want to tra- uh, start my own travel company what's the the best way to sort of get in touch with the travel massive community well, obviously, travelmassive.com, join, create an account, um, fill your profile out. If you're launching something cool and new, jump on the forum and, and tell people about it. You can search the community, find uh, you know find people that you might want to talk to. If you're really lost and you really feel that you've got to talk to me about it, then just ian at travelmassive.com and uh, tell me what you're working on and and what you need and I'll uh, try my best to point you in the right direction but uh, and then on social media just uh, look up um, travel massive or hashtag travel massive put the word out there uh, Ian one final question before I, I start pouring the beer and we can sort of like discuss on a personal level yep. <laughs> so if i'm putting a panel together about the, this, the future travel could i catch you in to, to sort of be on, on on part of that sure yeah i'd love to all right cool man ian thank you so much for coming here uh, i words cannot express how much i appreciate it I, i've said this before i'm gonna say it again i think you push travel to some whole different new frontier and you know i called you the collector but i could call you the frontiersman or you know you know, the idealist, I, so many denominators come to mind when I, I talk to you and I really appreciate your work. I, I hope the listeners do as well. I think I think what you're doing is fantastic and I can't wait to see what, what comes out in 2021 for Travel Massive. Thanks uh, for having me on the podcast, Philippe. And uh, actually for the viewers here, uh, I did I did bring a beer. It is it's still the morning here, but uh, you know we can at least end end this podcast with uh, with a cheers. With a cheers, indeed. Um, there you go. I'm drinking a, uh, a James Bogue Premium beer, which is one of my favorites. And okay. what are you drinking? Oh, I am drinking a Apocalypso from Shawinigan, Quebec. So from a microbrewery, a local microbrewery. So uh, cheers, man. Thank you so much for coming on board, and uh, hope to stay in touch, man. Thank you. Bye.